day. Um, We're going to be reading from Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 to 4. I think you'll find that on page 978 of your pew Bibles. Uh, We're looking at the ethical instruction application that Paul gives uh, because of the power of the gospel in our lives. Uh, This week, we're looking at parents and children. Next week, we will be looking at husbands and wives. And then our last week together, uh, we're going to be looking at how this plays out at work. Uh, But today, um, fathers and children, listen carefully. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Slaves, obey, sorry, children. (laughs) Not sure how I'm gonna recover from that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father, we pray that your spirit would work by and with your word to renew our hearts, that we might know you better as our Heavenly Father and love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a dark and stormy night in Nairobi. Uh, The kids were going to Roslyn Christian Academy, which was a missionary kids' school 45 minutes away, so they had to go by bus. Uh, My daughter had play practice, and she was on the late bus. I had gone to the bus stop, and when I arrived, I was a a bit late on African time. Uh, No one was there. Didn't see Laura anywhere. Didn't see anybody else. So I sort of panicked and thought, I must have missed the bus. And I drove on at a furious pace to get to the next bus stop, the only other possibility. I got there. She was nowhere to be found. By now, it was getting dark, and in East Africa, the sun is up, and then 6 p.m., boom, it's down. Uh, The sun had gone down, uh, the rains had started, and that means the termites were rising out of the ground. Why they do that, I have no idea, but they come out of um, their kind of um, hibernation when the rains come, and they come into the air, they look like a locust storm. So you can imagine it was rainy, It was dark, it was scary, and I didn't know where my daughter was. So I drove back to the first bus stop, uh, and I saw there was a petrol station across the street, and it occurred to me, maybe she's there. So I drove at a furious pace through the petrol station, because I had to find her, uh, looking to the left, while on the right was Laura standing by the uh, petrol pumps waving and shouting for her father to rescue her. And of course, I just kept going. (laughs) For another hour, she stood in the rain with the termites until my buddy Joseph Mutuki, pastor of New City Fellowship, Nairobi, helped me to locate her. Talk about traumatizing your kids. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that, dads? Ever had a time when you wished you could do something over where you failed to be the father you felt that God was calling you to be. 
I think we've all been there. Uh, Father's Day is always problematic, not just because it's relatively recent in origin, it only dates back to the Nixon administration, uh, but because I think so many of us have varied experiences with our fathers. Uh, some of us had godly fathers who taught us to walk in the ways of the Lord and showed us unconditional love. That's my testimony. And I'm so grateful for my dad, and I, I miss him every day now that he's with the Lord. But others had fathers who were absent from their home, or perhaps who were present but emotionally unavailable, always focused on their work, and probably by the law of averages, there are at least a few here this morning who had fathers who were emotionally or physically or verbally abusive. Fathers will fail us because we're finite, fallen human beings. But Paul wants to remind us that our Heavenly Father is always a source of unconditional love in Christ. He will never fail us. Uh, his love is new every morning. And because we love him, we seek to honor him, and we honor him, beloved, by honoring our dads. We want to look at a continuing covenant command that has changing application and comes with a compelling promise, a continuing covenant command with a changing application and a continuing compelling promise for those who are faithful to the Lord. First of all, um, Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Uh, he is referring back, of course, to the Decalogue, to the fifth commandment, which serves as a bridge between the first table of the law, our love for God, and the second table of the law, our love for our neighbor. Moms and dads are neighbors too. And the commandment is to give them honor. Uh, the word that's used here is the same word that Malachi uses when he recounts the Lord as saying, if I'm a father, where's my honor? To honor someone is to lift them up. It's to hold them in high esteem. It is to give them the reverence that is due to them. And conversely, it means that we never contemn them. Uh, we never disrespect them. Uh, we are never, if you will, to hold them in contempt. And Paul says, this is right. And what he means is, it's right because this is how we show our honor to the Lord by honoring our dads and our moms in context. We honor our dads because by doing so, we honor Christ. It's not dependent on whether they deserve it. This is a relational concept that Paul is talking about. The word that he uses for children has that sense of relationship to our parents at any age. Uh, he's not talking here primarily to young children. He's actually talking to mature children. That was the context in the Decalogue as well. We are not to love them because they're worthy of our love. We love them because we love the Lord, and he commands us to honor our dads. It's a relational obligation. And it's not a checkoff. Don't ask me for a list of outward actions you could do on this Father's Day uh, to fulfill your responsibility to love your dad and to honor him. 
It's not that kind of thing. Paul is not concerned about outward action so much as he is inner heart attitude. This calls for wholehearted obedience. We are to love, remember the context, Ephesians 4.32, and forgive as we have been loved and forgiven in Christ. And Paul says, children, whatever age you are, Obey your parents, honor your father, for this is right. Kathy and I had some dear friends in Cape Town, Chris and Sarah Wharton, who had grown up in what was then Rhodesia, later became Zimbabwe. And during the War for Independence, Chris was serving in the army as a medical doctor. Uh, he was in Harare, and his bride-to-be, Sarah, was in Bulawayo, uh, which was 11 hours to the west. He would be six days on duty, 24-7, one day off, and as soon as he came off duty, Chris would jump in his pickup truck, drive 11 hours behind enemy lines to spend an hour and a half with his bride-to-be, and then turn around and drive 11 hours back behind enemy lines and go back on duty. He did this every weekend for two years until his service was over and they were married. I tell the women at the college, you want to find a guy like that who will risk death for you. But beloved, we have a lover who has done even better than Dr. Chris. Our bridegroom, our savior, endured death on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. That brokenness that occurred after the creation in the fall. Um, all of us are broken. We're all dysfunctional. Every dad among us right? And we need Jesus. We need the gospel. And the good news that it is that he not only died on the cross in our place, but he rose again from the dead and defeated sin and death and hell so that if we will trust in him, we will be born again unto eternal life and given the Holy Spirit to enable us to walk in renewed obedience. Glory. It's a command, but it is a command that comes in the context of the gospel. Uh, some of you who are here this morning need to talk to your dads. You need to reconcile. Uh, it may be that you need after church to get in the car and drive across town and sit down and forgive them. Of course they failed you. If you haven't become a dad yet, just wait. You'll have your own opportunities. Some of you maybe can't visit your dads, but you need to pick up the phone and start a conversation. Uh, maybe you need, uh, maybe the, the wounds are so deep that you say, I can't possibly be reconciled to my father. Maybe what you need to do this morning is simply pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you to be able to pray that God would make you willing to forgive, which is a prayer he will answer, I assure you. We forgive our fathers not because they deserve it, but because we have been forgiven. We love them well, not because they've earned it, but because we have been well loved. It's a continuing covenant command. But of course, it has a changing application. It looks different at each stage of life. For these beautiful children that were up here, um, little kids all the way up to tweens and to teens who are living under their parents' roofs, it has a command to obey our parents. 
It's a qualified command. Uh, they are to be obeyed in the Lord. Uh, in other words, out of reverence for Christ, we obey our parents, trusting that they have been given to us for our good. You don't have to understand, young people, why dad says be home at 10. Trust that he knows better than you because he's been around a lot longer and that he's giving you that command for your good. You don't need to argue. You don't need to debate. You need to cheerfully obey because that's one of the primary ways in which you show that you love Jesus. And one day you'll understand the reason for all the rules. And you'll understand why sometimes dad had to discipline was out of his love and concern for you, that you would grow up to be men and women of God. It's a qualified command. Uh, Susanna Wesley said, you want to teach children to obey God, you first got to teach them to obey you, right? Uh, so it carries with it a, a converse reciprocal obligation. Uh, fathers, Paul says, are not to provoke their children to anger, by arbitrary and capricious rules and discipline and angry storming around. Uh, rather, they are, Paul says, to discipline and instruct them. Uh, the word uh, used actually has the sense of nourishing. It's the same word used of the husband and wife earlier in the chapter, in chapter 5. Uh, children are to be nourished. Uh, they are to be trained, the NIV renders it, and I like that. Uh, training involves instruction, showing them how you walk in the ways of Christ. And sometimes it involves discipline, which is done with a view towards reconciliation. Because we're always pointing them towards the reconciliation that is ours in Christ. Uh, things change when you go off to college, don't they? Uh, in our society, that's when children begin to take more responsibility for themselves. Uh, at this point, whether they've gone off to college or they've joined the military or they've begun an apprenticeship, uh, what we're looking for is to form a peer relationship. Uh, we want them to begin to act like adults, which they are by law and by God's ordinance. Um, and we want them to begin an adult relationship. So uh, if you're college, university age, uh, you're off on your own, here's what this means. Call your dad today and wish him a happy Father's Day and ask him how things are going at work and how you can pray for him. Take an interest in his life. And by the way, don't just call him on Father's Day. Call your mom and dad every week. And if you can't call, text. And if you have time, Skype. Keep the communication lines open. And for moms and dads, particularly dads, this is hard. Give encouragement and advice if they ask for it. Encouragement always. Advice when they ask. And stand by them as they make that transition to adulthood. Well, usually after graduation from university or an apprenticeship, uh, then we begin life in earnest, begin our callings vocationally. And at that point, the relationship involves honoring your dad by spending time with him. You have to be intentional about this. You're going to have to plan it. It's not going to happen by accident. Uh, so if you're out of town, plan a trip. Uh, if you're in town, plan lunch 
or a golf outing, or a hike, or just sitting together and sharing life together, reading the scriptures, praying for one another. If your father isn't a Christian, honor Jesus by honoring your father by honoring and following the Lord. You honor dad by following Christ. That's how that works. Of course, once you marry, life changes again. You want your spouse to know and love your dad just as you do. I was so grateful. Um, my mom and dad always loved me. I think more than my sister, but I mean. But when Kathy came into the equation, they loved her more than me. And I was thrilled that she would have such a close relationship with my mom and dad that they became her parents. And she cared for them during their final illnesses with such tenderness because they had become hers. You want that to happen. Do whatever it takes to bring your parents, your dad and your beloved spouse into his life. And when children come along, the same thing. Uh, this means you don't run your father down in front of your kids or your spouse. It means you point out the good things, overlook, forbear with the feelings. Particularly if they're believers, you encourage and challenge your kids to walk after Christ as their grandfather does. And of course, the day will come when your parents will need you to care for them as they cared for you. Maybe a fall that occasions this, or a stroke. Uh, sometimes it's the onset of early dementia. It comes to all of us at some time, some way or another. And your father will need you to care for him as he cared for you when you were small. Uh, to take him to the doctor, to help him sort out his bank account, to make sure his bills are paid, uh, to find an appropriate living situation for him. Beloved, I think this is one of those areas where we do not support families well enough. Typically, these are sandwich generation. Uh, by that, parents who have not yet launched their kids completely, who are now having to care for their elderly parents. It's exhausting. Sometimes it's scary. And it's so hard to watch them slip away. But that is our privilege to honor the Lord by honoring them, by caring for them until they're laid in the arms of Jesus. And then even after they're gone, to remind our children and our grandchildren of the faith of their grandfathers and point them to the Savior that their grandfather loved and served all the days of their life. Uh, it's a continuing covenant command, but beloved, it changes in application. You never outgrow the command uh, to obey, to honor your parents. It just looks differently at different stages of life. But it comes with a compelling promise. Look at what Paul says. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land or literally the, the Greek says upon the earth. Notice that Paul has changed the language from the Decalogue. It's no longer the ground or the, the land that God is giving you, a, a particular geographic location uh, in the ancient Near East. 
No, now it's the entire earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And wherever you go, you are to honor your parents so that you will experience his shalom. God works through families. In the Old Testament, the father was the chief education officer, chief military officer, um, chief economic officer. Uh, mom was CEO of the house, but that meant the extended family. They were authority figures. And so the Westminster divines are not wrong to say that the fifth commandment applies to every authority relationship. When you get pulled over by one of Walker County's finest, you show honor and respect because they are in an authority position, right? You honor the king, as it were, because you honor Jesus. And that's true. But it is through families that we come to know the Lord. Um, what does it mean to instruct and train our children to walk in the ways of the Lord? Deuteronomy 6, right? Love the Lord with your heart and soul and strength and your neighbor is yourself, and the way you do this is from breakfast to bedtime, you talk about Jesus to your kids. You sing songs, you bring them to vacation Bible school, you sit with them in worship, uh, you keep starting family devotions over if it's a challenge, which it is for many. Um, you keep holding Jesus out in front of them and calling them to faith. Because that's how it's going to work. Genesis 18, the Lord says, here's how the blessing of Abraham will be communicated to the nations. Abraham's going to train his kids. They're going to train their kids. They're going to train their kids, and so on. Generation upon generation, year after year. Where does that take place now? Not in Palestine. It takes place in Christ. Chris Wright says, in Christ as in the land. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. It's in the church. And whether you have biological children of your own uh, that you can be a father or a grandfather to, you have all of these covenant children that you can help shepherd in the ways of the Lord by teaching VBS and teaching Sunday school and coaching Little League and doing all the things, particularly for those who don't have earthly fathers sharing the ways of the Lord. Psalm 78 puts it so beautifully. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. It's in the church that this happens. It's where we have that incredible privilege to live life together, celebrating joys, celebrating uh, God's faithfulness even in the midst of sorrow, holding faithful to the faith that's been committed to us in the gospel. I love teaching students. Often they teach me more than I teach them. 
about six years ago, I had a young man in my Doctrine II class. Uh, he was an outstanding student. His name was David. Uh, he was also uh, an outstanding soccer player on the varsity men's team. Uh, he was a resident assistant who had the respect of all of his peers. And he came up to me at the end of the semester and said, my dad's not a Christian, and I want to share the gospel with him. How can I do this? So we, we talked about uh, living a life that's consistent before him and showing unconditional love to his father. And just as a passing thought, I said, why don't you read a book with him? Maybe Tim Keller's The Reason for God. And, and just talk through it together. And David said, okay, I will. So he bought his dad a copy of the book. He went off to serve with Mission to the World for the summer in Spain. But he and his dad would read the book, discuss it over email, over Skype. At the end of his internship, he had a couple of weeks to go hiking in Switzerland. I know the area he was hiking. I went there when I was his age. Uh, it's the area up above Lauterbrunnen and Gimmelwald. Uh, up near the Weisshorn, and um, David was walking along one of the trails when he slipped and fell into the arms of Jesus. His death really rocked the Covenant College community uh, for someone who was so promising and such a godly young man to leave so abruptly was just a big shock. But at his memorial service in the chapel, his father stood up and testified that through watching his sons walk with the Lord and through his son's witness to the gospel, he had come to faith in Christ. And I bet David was looking down from heaven and saying, amen, dad, you go, you follow Jesus. Beloved, at the end of the day, the best way you and I could love our dads today and honor them the most would be to point them to Jesus and his cross. Just a few moments, we'll be coming to the Lord's Supper. Well, let's pray and ask for his grace now. Pray with me. Father, we pray that out of the riches of your grace, you would strengthen us by grace through faith to love our parents and today especially our dads well, to honor them as we honor you. And we pray, Father, that you would be pleased um, to help us carry on the gospel from generation to generation, until you come again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.